We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Senior Bowl week. It's Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin on Rotoviz Radio. We're going to break down the biggest standouts from day one and what it might mean for fantasy in 2024. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin, who successfully broke into his own house last night. Yes, that, uh, that so is true. Yeah. Production. Dave disassembled a door to get back in his house so he could valiant, uh, valiantly let his wife and children sleep. Um, yep. Good man. That's that's d- dad mode fully unlocked there, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it's 1.30 in the morning... And, uh, you know, you've taken the dog out and you realize that, uh, you can't get back into the house. You have two options. One of which is, you know, when you have kids that have finally managed to go to sleep, you know, that like anything that you can do to ensure that they stay asleep and that they're not then worried about people breaking down the door into the house on a nightly basis, uh, you try to avoid that. So you go the route of trying to then break into your own house, like an idiot for like a good 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of those scenarios where as soon as you're a dad, you get it. Yep. I like that you would do that. <laughs> but if if you're a listener and you're like, I don't have kids, like, Dave, you're crazy, man. Just ring the doorbell. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're, that's it's a slippery slope, man. So uh, good, on, good on you, thinking about family first. Uh, <laughs> yep. tra- 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 trading sleep i mean hopefully no like neighbors ring doorbell cameras caught you trying to break in and you know no, we're nice and we're nice and secluded <laughs> we're, we're yeah we, we have you know a nice uh nice section of yard and trees between us and all neighbors so it's probably for the best all right well there we go so um and, and you know an, another kind of rural setting um, maybe not a major metro rural is probably not fair but down in mobile Ab- alabama this week dave the senior bowl is going on and the senior bowl has become more of a popular place in the fantasy community to do some early scouting uh, each year because in, in recent seasons we've had, you know, Cooper cup, who was obviously like the biggest smash out of the super bowl or out of the senior bowl ever probably. But last year we had Puka Nakua. And then, I mean, dating back, 
you know, decades. Aaron Donald's come out of the senior bowl. Philip Rivers has come out of the senior bowl. It's a week where you really can, uh, you really can add some quality to your stock, to your NFL draft stock. And, you know, this year is also kind of interesting because not only do we have some seniors, we have some older seniors and, uh, you know, everything that's gone on with, with COVID during these college careers, it's just kind of an interesting time. So you'll see lots of things on X and other social platforms of you know, fantasy analysts and popular NFL accounts that are tracking uh, the activities of the week. Dave and I thought we would review some of the day one standouts from Lance Zerline and run his names uh, through some of the Rotoviz prospect tools. Uh, because even at this early juncture, as we're starting to get our own dynasty rookie rankings uh, ready for 2024, it's just interesting to start looking at who are some of these sim players based off of uh, production profiles and then things that we think to be true about player physical traits and uh and our projected draft position. So this will be pretty fun. We're going to hit a couple players at wide receiver and then a quarterback and a running back just to take you through the exercise of how you can use some of these scouting tools. And of course, we'll be wielding these as we do our own rankings as well. This episode is brought to you by myffpc.com. We'll be doing our dynasty startup drafts on there pretty soon. Orphans available now. And you can play Rotoviz uh, Triflex Dynasty on that platform. That is the game that uh, I helped the team design over there and there's millions of dollars in play every year now. So it's, it's the best place to play dynasty without a doubt. Uh, we love the game. So check it out. My All right, Dave, let's get the pedal to the metal here. So Lance Zerline is one of the lead NFL draft scouts uh, for NFL.com actually. And he and Eric at home will be providing some updates throughout senior bowl week. And uh, I, I really like what they do on their, you know, their free profiles that are up on NFL.com each year. They're good reference uh, snippets. If you're just trying to get it, especially at the non fantasy relevant positions, you know, NFL drafts going on. I'm like, Hey, who's this guard from central Michigan uh, that the Browns just drafted? Well, I can find out everything that I need to know uh, on NFL.com there for free. And they do they do a nice job of senior bowl coverage too, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on their content and then make it fantasy relevant for you. So today's top star, Dave, day one was Roman Wilson, wide receiver out of Michigan, and that pains me because I'm just barely over uh, the Wolverines blasting the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, <laughs> this season, and a very very tough pill for me to swallow with Michigan having all the success uh, that it had this year. But Wilson, uh, you know, he was a key player in the Michigan offense, even though they were really run heavy. And so he, he might not stand out as much in some of the raw counting stat uh, type uh, analysis that's out there. People just tweeting out stat leaders and things like that. He's not going to show up on any of those lists. But he's showing up now as he matches up against these other prospects from other schools this week of the Senior Bowl. You know, there's a lot of people noting all over social. He's like consistently open and one-on-ones and specifically Zerline notes that the types of windows he's creating for quarterbacks. Again, this is visual, this is film-based, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It reminds him of what Tank Dell did last year. You know, and Tank Dell kind of came out of nowhere as this little water bug player from, from Houston. And then at the senior bowl, it became very evident that no one could cover him. And he said it was that type of day. 
uh, for Roman Wilson. So we got to we got to think about this. We got to listen uh, to some of uh, what these NFL draft scouts are saying. Dave, I want to pull up our prospect box scout uh, box score scout, and let's take a look at Roman Wilson. I've got some of his measurements from from day one and a projected draft position, but I thought you could just review some of his key production metrics and, you know, maybe dominator, things like that. Let's just take a look at how Roman Wilson's profile uh, shows up before we start putting in some of the variables. Yeah, definitely. So uh, wide receiver, Michigan, 2022, 2023. As a result of that, we have four seasons in here, 42 games informing the numbers that we are going to look at. Uh, I think one of the things that st- will stand out to you when you first look at this is um, his biggest season was this most recent season. You know, his senior season had 48 receptions, 789 yards, 12 receiving touchdowns, though. Um, so in that year, Curtis, he gets that receiving dominator of 0.38. Uh, you know, depending where you do some cutoff, sometimes you're looking for 0.4, I believe. But in this case, you know, the 0.3, reasonably close, pretty good dominator. Uh, in years prior, we'd seen him at uh, 0.21 back in 2022 in his junior year. That year, 25 receptions also had 25 receptions the year prior to that. And um, before his senior year had put up just a total of eight touchdowns. So as a sophomore in 12 games, three uh, and then four as a junior finishes with 15.95 yards per reception. Pretty good clip for him there. Um, in terms of career numbers, had a receiving touchdown market share of 0.29. And I actually think it's worth calling out here that his 2022 with just those four touchdowns doesn't sound that great, but he did account for 27% of the receiving touchdown market share. Uh, in terms of yardage, finishes with uh, just 17%. Highest amount of yardage coming in 2023 with 25%. Now, another thing that stands out to me here, Curtis, as notable when we break down his stat profile is in 2022, he actually had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, nice. Which is we nice. Love it. We, we, we love do. We, we like to look for players that are able to find other ways to contribute to their team. You know, so we will often look for ability as, uh, you know, kick returners, punt returners. It's nice to see receivers getting a crack at some rushing attempts too. had seven rushing attempts across his career at Michigan adds those two uh, receiving or excuse me, two rushing touchdowns. So uh, that's kind of the high level breakdown there of Wilson. All right. So um, while you g- click over on the Sims tab here, because I've got his senior bowl measurements, um, he he checked in at 70 inches and 186 pounds. Okay. Uh, so we can go into the Sims. Yeah, I made uh, a uh, made a boo boo. We made a misclick. That's fine. It's it's good. It's good radio. Um, we'll go over to the Sims tab within the same tool. And once we start entering in height, weight, and draft, uh, a projected draft capital, yep. we can start to create, you know, get a picture of the types of players, uh, that compare to him. Okay. And then let's do this from, from the last year active. Let's just go back to 2010. 
uh, let's not go all the way back. I want to get names that you know the listeners are are familiar with. So sure. for height, uh, we don't need height for wide receiver action. We need yep. weight. Uh, so for weight, it's one eighty six. Okay, I'm not going to try to project a forty yet, but for draft pick. You know, coming into the senior bowl, he was considered like an early day three guy. He's going to be a day two guy if he is able to keep this up. So let's let's be optimistic and say he has a great week, not just a great first day. Um, let's go with like pick 60 into the second round. So maybe somebody falls in love. Okay, sure. What do we, what do we get here? So we put those in. The tool is going to go out. It's going to look at those parameters that we just pointed, put in as well as some key receiving metrics to find this group of similar players couple of fun names here. The first one being Austin Pettis, who, uh, you know, listeners might remember out of Boise State back in 2007 to 2010. He's followed by Deontay Johnson, Vincent Brown, Chris Moore, Ryan Broyles, Kyle Phillips, A. Sanders, Riley Ridley, John Mechie, and Jeremy Curley. Uh, so, okay. you know, okay. I think the most notable names there are probably uh, Deontay Johnson and... I don't and John know. Mechie. And John I'd say Mechie, John yeah. Mechie. He's recent with good draft capital, and, and the jury's still out. I mean, he's probably going to end up working out, I would think. He's got C.J. Stroud uh, back there as a, a signal caller, and you know he yep. had um, the, uh, dealing with cancer um, derailed his career yep. uh, early on. So the jury's still out there. So, you know, two hits. I mean, you reviewed the the prospect profile. I mean, this is, this is an older prospect who didn't, you know, actually really popped till a senior year, you know, maybe with a little bit of leading production as a yep. junior in the 20, the 21% uh, receiving dominator in, in that year. So, you know, a couple names to keep an eye on there. Um, once we know his 40, that will help to further refine the list. And I would say, Hey, we could exclude some of the power five or we could exclude the non-power five conference players, but really that's only going to um, get rid of Deontay here uh, and Vincent Brown it would be interesting to see what other power five players made the list after kicking those two out though. So maybe let's just click and see what happens if we exclude the power five. Yeah. Well, it does that one thing that uh, is kind of interesting, Curtis, that all the players were between like a four, five, four and a four, six 40. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up, you know, in that same range. So when we pull out the non power five players, you get Chris Moore, Ryan Broyles, Kyle Phillips, Riley Ridley, A. Sanders, John Mechie, Jeremy Curley, Josh Huff, Joe Adams, and Tony Lippett. Okay, so it's it's still a, a bit of a questionable list. Jeremy Curley stuck around for quite a while. And, you know, Kyle, I mean, Kyle Phillips has had a, a, a little bit of his success, at least carving out some snap share. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm squinting, squinting here a little bit with this list. So, we'll, you know, jury's still out. Let's see what the speed looks like for Roman Wilson. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll come back around, but obviously it's great for him. You know, he's really boosted his draft stock this week. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to the next player. We're going to stay at wide receiver here. One of the the more uh, enjoyable names to say throughout the the draft evaluation process this offseason will be Lad McConkey. Oh yes, and, we uh, were we were really yeah. enjoying this. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> nickname. You said his his real name is, was it Andrew? Yeah, Andrew. So okay. a- Andrew McConkey, uh, his twenty four seven his twenty four seven sports prospect profile. Um, notes that Andrew McConkey is a 5'11", 158-pound wide receiver from Chatsworth, Georgia. That was his situation coming out of high school. Um, very, very cool to get the, uh, the 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 nickname there, and you know, thankfully he grew um, some, or else we'd be talking about another Tank Dell situation here. Yes, um, but McConkey, let's see um, what uh, Zierlein had to say about his day. Um, basically, scolds people for you know, anyone who wants to call McConkie a sleeper heading into this week, you know, he shouldn't have been a sleeper. He should have been on everyone's radar, uh, called him a thoughtful route runner who did a great job attacking defenses throughout the day, uh, was creating separation constantly left and right and, uh, made several tough catches as well. And I mean, you know, George has been in the national spotlight for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, McConkie has shown up in, in all of those Island games that, that I was able to watch Daniel Jeremiah, actually uh, he compared lad McConkie to Doug Baldwin, um, which is a, a fun name. He's one of our yeah. favorites. that we've yeah. talked about over the years. So let's uh, let's quickly review McConkie's production. And then uh, we'll look at some of his Sims with his measurables. Sure. So uh, as a freshman, 15 games, 31 receptions, 447 yards, five receiving touchdowns, uh, from a market share perspective, those are all around like the 12 to 13 percent range in the majority of things that you're going to look at. Um, then comes in with 58 receptions in his second year at Georgia, uh, seven receiving touchdowns, bumps up his receiving dominator to uh, a point two, and then we see him only get in eight games in uh 2023 but in those eight games 30 receptions puts up 15.93 yards per reception two touchdowns finishes with a receiving dominator of 0.16 and again curtis we have a wide receiver contributing as a rusher has 13 rushing attempts four rushing touchdowns in his college career um so giving him some extra touches, some extra total touchdowns, finishes with 18 collegiate touchdowns, career receiving dominator of 0.16, um, career receiving touchdown market share of 0.16. Uh, so you're playing at a very, very competitive school, very, very competitive team. We have seen with some of these teams like Georgia, it can kind of limit the numbers that you're able to put up. I think the real interesting piece for him is going to be when we lay in, uh, you know, some of the age components here and run that through the search. And then of course I could see this being a player where, uh, you know, we do get some fluctuations in draft position. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing for him is you know, he battled ankle injury 
this season multiple times. And yep. so it kind of derailed him. Um, you know, that, that 2022 season, he was really, really consistent. He had uh, four or more receptions in all, but uh, three of his uh, 14 games, I think that season. So he's, you know, really consistent as an outlet there. And then he had a, he had a really impressive stretch during conference play when he was healthy in 2023, uh, four, four games in mid October through mid November, where, uh, he went four for 58 against Vanderbilt six for 135 and a touchdown against Florida seven for 95 against Missouri. And then four eighty one one against old miss, uh, as well as a rushing attempt in that game. And then, you know, battled the injury again. So, you know, he was injured at the beginning of the season, injured again, you know, later in the season and never really got back on track. So we're going to have to remember that context because like Wilson, he's not going to really pop just on the the production. But I mean, there are a lot of people out there that are really tooting his horn and uh, a lot of Lad McConkey fans. So let's flip over to the Sims. Let's keep it at 2010. Uh, McConkey's measurements, he was 5'11 and 7 eighths. Uh, I believe. Okay. Let me go back. Uh, nope, nope. Five eleven. He's actually okay, five eleven. Yep. What do we got? Five eleven and one eighty seven for McConkey. Okay. And we're gonna go day two here as well. We're gonna go pick fifty on McConkey. Okay. So when we first do this, we will leave in the non-power five guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. when we do that, his first match here, we do have John Mechie appearing again. Followed by A. Sanders, Deontay Johnson, Joe Adams, Dante Pettis, Riley Ridley, Gerald Jernigan, George Pickens, Bruce Ellington, and Josh Palmer. Um, hmm. I think what you're seeing going on here, uh, to some extent, is that you had guys um, with a day two uh, kind of evaluation, but not the production that you might think you would see. Uh, and a lot of that might come yeah. from just a lower total game count. Um, you know, so, so lower overall production that you might see from some of the other players that would go in this range. And, and we saw similar weights there too, with yep. Wilson and McConkey just being a, a pound apart. Now, what I will say about McConkey's list, it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit higher quality because, um, you know, we see Bruce Ellington, who was a day two pick. We see George Pickens, who was a day uh, two pick, joining the freight. Dante Pettis was a day two pick. So there were some more early draft capital guys on the list, um, not necessarily that have all popped in the NFL, uh, but but the draft capital helps, yeah. certainly. Um, it improves your you know probability of having an early career role. And now that you've thrown out the power of five players, um, there's, a, there's a couple other names who had early draft capital joining the fray here too. Hey, does anything interesting stand out to you about this list? I mean, we've got, I mean, we've got a lot of sec. I mean, we've got a lot of sec. That's what's so, popping up. Yeah. Out out of the 10 match okay. matches, the yeah. only one not from the sec is uh, Dante Pettis from Washington. You've got yeah. two guys from Georgia, two guys from South Carolina, two guys from Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas. Uh, all right, so that's John Mechie, Ace Sanders, Joe Adams, Dante Pettis, Riley Ridley, George Pickens, Bruce Ellington, Josh Palmer, Lynn Bowden Jr., Kevin Norwood. Just when you read through these, these names, it's kind of a mixed bag. I think what it would speak to is this is a player that does have some potential to be a contributor in the NFL, doesn't look like a star, 
based upon these lists, but there is some potential. And, you know, some of this is going to come down to when we're able to add in some of these other factors. And, you know, we'll see how he finishes off uh, the rest of the senior bowl week. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you really just, you just never know, Dave, you know, I mean, coming into the senior bowl uh, last year, I mean, Puka Nukua's profile wasn't that dissimilar yeah. uh, from Lad McConkey's and he had a great week and, you know, the college production and, and the age ultimately did not matter. Um, and so, you know, the, w- the reason that we do it the way that we do at Rotoviz is as you zoom out further and further and further, we're going to be right more often than we're wrong um, by using a lot of these um, fil- filtering uh, processes, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're bulletproof. They're certainly not bulletproof. They, they are, they put us on the right path to make fewer mistakes as we're drafting and ranking rookies, but there's always going to be that. All right. Are there enough guys that ha- have had some of these good calls on these, you know, prospects that didn't have the production metrics or don't have an age or an athletic measurement that's really popping and, and causing them to stand out from the crowd? You know, sometimes you just, you know, give a, give a tie break to a guy like that. So I could see McConkie getting the draft capital, uh, maybe especially after the success of somebody like Nakua last year um, with a similar profile and then, uh, you know, getting the day two NFL draft capital and then, you know, maybe sticks in the second round, late mid to late second round of, of rookie drafts as a result. So we'll come back around. I mean, we got months to talk about this stuff and this is literally the first rookie episode we're talking about uh and it's getting me juiced up here so let's go over to the quarterback position and this is a player that that dave and i had near the tippy top of our list for the quarterback prospects in last year's uh rookie guide that came out and then you know he decided to go back to school for you know another year a fifth season bo Nix out of Oregon, he went back to school and all he did was throw for 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns, I think, Dave. So um, (laughs) this is, yeah, I mean, this is a player coming in with tons of experience. This would be like the ultimate build Parcells guy, Yeah, uh, you know, counting up the game started and the winning record and, you know, all of those things. But I think Bo Nix, you know, whoever is counseling him after he was done at at Auburn to, to go into the transfer portal and, you know, bet on himself again. I mean, what he's done the last two years at Oregon, he's really boosted his stock. So yeah, let's just get it out of the way. I mean, he's going to be a day one pick for sure. Um, let's let's look at, you know, and compare and contrast Auburn versus Oregon here. Yep. And then I'm really curious to see what his Sims say. I'm hoping for some quality here. Sure. So three seasons at Auburn between 2019 to 2021, two years at Oregon, 22 and 23, obviously. What you do see is that he had over 300 attempts every year, actually had 377 attempts as a uh, freshman, completed 58% of his passes, goes for 2,542 yards, 16 touchdowns to six interceptions, um, passing yards, adjusted passing yards per attempt were at 6.88. Follows that up with a fairly similar campaign Uh, 60% completion rate drops down to 6.57 adjusted yards per attempt, 12 to seven touchdown interception ratio in 2020, 2021, you see pretty much the same. Curtis does bump up a little bit in terms of adjusted yards per attempt to get to 7.4 goes 11 versus three in that touchdown interception ratio passes for 2000. 
294 yards. Then the transfer comes to Oregon, and this is where you see him getting to put on display the type of things that he's able to do. Now, there is a component we haven't got to yet, which we will, which is rushing production. But at Oregon, immediately ups his completion percentage to 72%, jumps up to 9.46 adjusted yards per attempt, which is key because those numbers before there, when you do some of the things that we do looking for quarterbacks that are more likely than others to have success, those numbers just wouldn't cut it. Getting to that 9.46 range makes a big difference. And then 29 passing touchdowns to seven passing interceptions closes off his career, like you said, with a real bang, complete 77% of his passes, 4,508 yards for 11.2 adjusted yards per attempt in a 45 to three touchdown to interception uh, ratio there. 45 to three. Oh, sorry, 45 to three. Yeah, that is. And the, the yards per attempt right there too are in a range that I start to feel good about when I look at it. Then we got a layer in the rushing production and the rushing production, Curtis really was there when he was at Auburn. I think it speaks to the different types of schemes that he was being placed into at these two schools at Auburn as a freshman rushes for seven touchdowns, uh, 313 yards on 97 attempts, follows that up with seven touchdowns and then four touchdowns in the two subsequent seasons. Um, going for, you know, around like three and a half yards per carry at Oregon, as if he didn't make enough of a jump as a passer in his first year there, Curtis rushes 88 times, puts up 14 rushing touchdowns for 5.84 yards per carry. Then we see him in 2023, the year in which he threw for, you know, 45 touchdowns and 4,500 passing yards also adds 54 attempts for 4.3 yards per carry in six touchdowns as a rusher, bringing him to a total there of 51 touchdowns on the year. Closes his career with 113 passing touchdowns to 26 interceptions, 8.5 adjusted yards per attempt, 1,607 rushing yards, 38 rushing touchdowns. So... I'm going to continue uh, here with a couple of comments. 151, 151 total touchdowns. I mean, yes. that's not. So there's a couple of things that you could point to here that you don't like. Obviously, you would have liked to have seen more production at Auburn, and perhaps you'd like him to have been a little bit younger. I guess the two comments to that would be he, pro- he, he could have gone out last year. We would have liked him. I think you do have to take into account this big jump that you saw when he got to Oregon. Now, all of that said, we know that projecting quarterbacks in the NFL is extremely, extremely hard. One of the best things you can do is just look for overall production. Uh, Not that that is in any way a silver bullet, but it helps out a lot compared to some of the more like tangential things that you could look at. So ton of rushing production, ton of passing touchdowns. I know that when I go through and I put these through some of the things that I've done for quarterbacks, he's going to score very, very well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see when I do those percentiles and stack them up with some of the guys we've seen in recent years, like Trevor Lawrence, like CJ Stroud, who performed very well in those things that we look at, uh, you know, Bo Nix could be looking pretty good. And, and yeah. I think it's hard to underscore just how much he improved himself from those perspectives, which definitely teams will be looking at 
when you see what he was able to accomplish in 2023? Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much additional context to his profile too, more than we're going to probably be able to cover in, in this episode, but yep. five offenses, five years, five different play callers. So that's, I mean, there's literally no continuity, but when you think about all the production, the fact that he had 61 career starts, I mean, he's just, he's coming in, he's, he's going to be flexible. And and you could argue that he would have never hit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine that he's hit a top when he's never even played in an offense for more than one year. Right. Yeah. So one of the reasons he was highlighted by the NFL.com team as a standout on day one uh, in the first team period, uh, he, he had a, a, a touchdown pass to Brennan Rice, who is actually the son of Jerry Rice. Mm. Uh, from USC. So that that's interesting. It was a pump and go. And then he also had a, a great deep connection to uh, Penn State uh, tight end Theo Johnson. Daniel Jeremiah's got this quarterback at 23 overall in the draft currently with room to rise. And it really just notes that learning to, to play from under center a bit will be an opportunity because uh, he was primarily out of the shotgun. But I mean, Justin Herbert came out of the same you know, Oregon kind of high flying system, obviously some changes with the coaching staff, but Oregon's always yeah. been kind of this high flying passing attack and, and Herbert's been fine. So let's flip over to the, uh, to the Sims and for Bo Nix, we're going to put him in at uh, 74 inches and 216 pounds. Let's, let's just go ahead. We'll use 23 overall as the draft pick. 23. Yeah, 23 overall. Okay. And right. let's see what we get. When we do that, you get Kenny Pickett, Geno Smith, Andy Dalton, Clayton Toon, Drew Locke, Desmond Ritter, Teddy Bridgewater, Kevin Hogan, Kellen Mond, and Matt Corral. Before we, we talk about that, though, there's one thing that I want to point out here. When you look at any quarterback list, it's always just going to be littered with guys you know, that didn't pan out no matter where you look at a draft, right? We see this year in and year out. A lot of the guys even taken in round one really don't pan out. So keep that in mind when you're digesting these lists. Yeah. I mean, the, what I'm looking for here is did the guys get the chance to start? Yes. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost. And then if they did start, what did they do with the opportunity? Um, and, and are we pulling up, even, you know, putting the draft capital in, are we pulling up players that just really don't match from a draft capital perspective? Because you start to pull in too many of those players, you worry a little bit that, yep. you know, it's a player that scouts have fallen in love with, but it's not really justified. Um, but, you know, we've got Kenny Pickett in here, who has been kind of a disaster in the NFL, but did get the high draft capital. There's some similarities there with them both being older prospects. Yep. Um, Geno Smith, I mean, he was a college stud and I mean, it took him a while to figure it out in the NFL, you know, kind of wonder what would have happened if he had landed in a better system, seeing the success he had with Dave Canales um, yeah. in Seattle in, in particular in, in 2022, uh, you know, what, what could have been Andy Dalton certainly was a f fantasy viable for half a dozen years, had some great seasons with Cincinnati and, you know, from there, the, the list becomes a little bit of a crapshoot. So we'll have to see. I mean, we'll have to see what type of system does does Knicks land in? What kind of coaching staff does he land with? Yep. I, I would say at this point, you know, color me interested for super flex drafts because the rushing production's there. He's shown he can be highly accurate. Uh, and he's shown that, you know, he can protect the ball while still pushing it down the field. So 
uh, definitely going to want to do more deeper work on Knicks to make sure that we get it right in super flex drafts in particular. Sure. And, and I think, too, if we did an exercise where you pulled best season or last season or something like that, you could also get perhaps a, what I would feel would be a more representative group of players or a more exciting group. Um, and the other thing that I do think is really interesting with quarterbacks is um, where they actually go in a round two sometimes matters, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to be too yeah. close to that top. You get drafted to these these bad teams, and uh, you know maybe maybe Bryce Young's better than we got to see, and he'll you know in Carolina never have a chance to show us. Who knows? So we'll stay tuned but on Bo Nix. Yeah, and then and then conversely, you don't want to be the guy typically that's all the way at the end of the first round because you were probably a second or third round guy that people panicked and traded up for. Yes, exactly, so, exactly. So it, it is really interesting to watch all that unfold. Okay, yep. I wanted to hit one sleep. I mean, these are all names that you know people in the the Devi community or people that have been watching a lot of college football, you know, over the past couple of years. You know, you're watching Oregon, you're watching Georgia, you're watching Michigan. We want to give you one deep player that stood out. Uh, to the NFL.com team today. And he's he's from a school that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to, you know, I'm just pulling the, the trump card there to, to get one of the Marshall Thundering Herd into the, yep. the episode here. But Rasheen Ali running back out of Marshall. This is a pretty interesting prospect profile. You know, he really had two big time standout seasons um, with a complicated red shirt injury slash personal reason uh, season that he didn't play very much in 2022, yep. but Dave, take us through. Uh, well, let me, let me tell you what the, the team said here. So he, he flashed receiving skills and in individual work uh, beating some of the linebackers on wheel routes, which, you know, you love to hear that uh, obviously for any, any running back. And they noted there's not a clear cut front runner yet, but um, Ali is now firmly on the radar after his day one performance. Um Ali was quoted saying he believes he's versatile, wants to be the three down big back. And they noted he could get a boost in draft capital leading up to the draft as people become more familiar with his production profile, citing over 2,500 rushing yards and 38 touchdowns in his two best seasons. Um, so why don't you, why don't you detail those two seasons in particular? We already talked about as a junior that he, uh, that he redshirted. So let's yep. talk about what he did as a sophomore and a senior and let's, let's see what comes up. Running backs always really fun. Uh, to run through the sim tools. Yeah, definitely. So uh, 2021 as a sophomore, 250 attempts goes for 5.6 yards. A carry that puts him at around 1,400 has 23 rushing touchdowns, a running back dominator of 0.8. Uh, all of the market shares above 70%, which you love to see. Uh, as a receiver, actually had 45 receptions, Curtis, and a receiving touchdown um wow receiving yards market share of nine percent uh definitely involved in the game there and actually if you look at his total yards adjusted market share he was at 30 percent touches adjusted market share was at 44 percent so super involved uh you know very productive that year 24 total touchdowns fast forward to 2023 on 212 attempts, goes for 5.4 yards a carry, puts him at 1,140 yards, adds 15 rushing touchdowns. And actually, in that season, his dominator numbers were even higher than they were in 2021. An RB dominator rating of 0.85. Uh, touchdown 
adjusted market share of 88%. Also added a receiving touchdown that year as well. 28 receptions, 213 yards, and um, closes with another 44% share of adjusted touches market share and 55% of the team's total touchdowns. So though his numbers dipped down on comparison to that 2021 season from a team wide perspective, he was actually a more substantial contributor. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of an off the radar player probably for many, but you know, the, the peak production was there and to be able to repeat it uh, or at least approximate it uh, a second time uh, is, is great. And so you know, this is a big opportunity for Ali. Sounds like you know we'll need to we'll need to get the pads on and, and see what happens in the game. But you know he's he's on, he's on uh, Zero Lines radar now, uh, which is great. Let's go over to the the Sims uh, process here. Uh, I want to let's go with five eleven, so seventy one inches and two hundred and four pounds. And then for a, a draft projection, we're still going to go day three here. I think unless he just absolutely goes berserk yep. uh, or, or just shows up super athletic at the combine, uh, which can help running back sometimes in particular. Let's go. Yeah. Did you go pick 150 there? Uh, 150 had gone a hundred. I did my math. Not how I wanted to do it. Yeah. Day, day three, round yep. five. Yep. Uh, let's go with that. Yep. All right. So pick 150. All right. Ooh, hey, a fun first name behind him. I'm sure a lot of people remember the hype surrounding Kenneth Dixon out of Louisiana Tech back uh, in 2015, followed by Paul Perkins, Eno Benjamin, Elijah McGuire, Justin Jackson. That was a fun name I liked to say. Marcus Lattimore, Isaiah Spiller, Kyron Williams, Marlon Mack, Alexander Robinson. This is actually... uh, Yeah, this this is way more fun of a list than I was expecting we'd be able to pull here. Yeah, great list for round five. And you see a couple of, hit, I mean, let's let's be real here. I mean, you get to day three running backs. A, a hit for fantasy is a player that, you know, like maybe a single RB2 season uh, as a, a fantasy producer, or you could even argue that a stretch of startable games um, would, would be a hit yeah. you know, when you get this deep in the draft. And so Kenneth Dixon, man, the injuries just didn't, the injuries were so unkind, but it just, you know, he was, he was a camp hype superstar. Um, Paul Perkins had the draft capital back in the day. You know, Benjamin you know, was one of Sean and Blair's favorites for quite a while. Um, but where we get a little bit of quality, Justin Jackson had uh, some, uh, a couple games there for the chargers where he was able to produce, but Kyron Williams with an overall top five running back season. Now firmly on this list, Marlon Mack, with several big time fantasy yeah. seasons uh, to his name as well. So this is, this is great. I mean, if you see a couple guys who really were producers for a couple seasons on day three and some of them, even from smaller schools, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, Marlon Mack was what uh, UCF maybe. No, or me, I'll put, I'll put that back in South Florida, South Florida. USF. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, of course, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, but you know, we've got, Louisiana Tech on this list. We've got, you know, Louisiana, Northwestern. And this is not exactly a, uh, a list full of blue blood running back schools showing up. And yet we still get a little bit of quality. So yeah, that's kind of exciting. You know, I've, I think he's going to be a little bit of a sleeper. We can keep an eye on here uh, for the next few weeks, Dave, as, as we start to firm up some rankings. Yeah, definitely. Really fun list. Um, just kind of shows 
the type of analysis that you can do and the fun you can have poking around in these tools. This is definitely one of my favorite ones to play with here. I can't wait till I have the chance to do the yearly exercise of collecting all the uh, all of the measurables data from the combine and getting that into the prospect workout explorer uh, and, and everything along those lines. So, uh, you know, a lot of great content on the horizon. All right, so we'll keep an eye on the Senior Bowl. We may come back and highlight a few other players as they pop throughout the week. Uh, and, you know, we'll also continue some of our, our rookie run it back uh, that we've been doing over the past couple uh, of weeks, um, looking at some of the 2023 uh, rookie standouts and projecting that forward. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back later this week with some more great content. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.